guys, welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, author and lifestyle strategist. And I'm going to dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a world-class compilation of insights and ahas designed to optimize what matters most, radical self-love, emotional mastery, tribe impact and success. Tune in for inspirational guests who reveal the mindset required to bust through the BS that holds you back and then how to apply those tips and tools to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi guys, I'm Michelle. I'm your host. This is my very first episode And I am really excited and grateful that it's finally here and thankful that you're here and listening. I totally get that there's so many other things that you could be doing with your time. So I appreciate that you've taken a moment to just check this out. So here's what I want to do in the very first episode is just give you a brief background on me in future episodes. You know, I'm sure I'll share much more deeply, but just, you know, a touchstone on how this all came to be. And then really what the mission is of the mindset mashup. So, um, I was born on a Navy base in Washington state. In fact, on an Island called Oak Harbor or called Whidbey Island in Oak Harbor, Washington. And, um, very proud of that background. And at five years old, we moved to the central coast, um, four siblings, two boys, two girls, two parents, lots of random cats. <laughs> and, um, we moved to the central coast to, um, be near my mom's family, which is where most of them were at the time, if not all, in fact. And, um, and then from there, I, you know, that's where I was. I went to grade school, junior high, still have some of those friends in my life, which is really awesome. And then went to high school there on the central coast. And then I decided to move to moved down to LA. I was driven by wanting to be an actress. And, um, so that was really the driving force and, uh, tried some college on and off a few times. It seems at that point I was a little bit allergic to the whole concept. I hadn't found my why yet. And, um, anyway, so mostly waitressing, but one of my very favorite jobs of all time, still to this day, 20 years later was, I was a singing waitress at a restaurant in Woodland Hills, California, which is in the sort of Northwest section of the San Fernando Valley. It no longer exists, but it was an epic chapter of my life for several years. And it was called Cafe Bellissimo. And we were singing waiters. Like we all had our genre. I did most of the Disney tunes. So I'd get up there, you know, and sing from Little Mermaid or Beating the Beast or Pocahontas. Anyway, such an awesome time in my life. And still, when anyone says to me, what was your favorite job you've ever had up until now, which I finally curated my dream life in terms of my work matches the rest of my life where it all just feels so wonderful and amazing. And I'm very aware, um, of what that statement could sound like, but I am truly grateful that it is what it is right now. And, um, but I used to always say, Oh, when I was a singing waitress at cafe Bellissimo, if I could have done that forever, I would have. And, um, there's actually another job too, that I'll fast forward to really quickly. When I was a host at HSN, which was years later, like 20 years later, um, that was also, um, another one of my very favorite jobs, just crazy to do live TV and have insane sales quotas. But anyway, I digress. 
Um, going back to being a singing waitress, it was just a lot of fun. And, and most of us were, you know, bedsbians in some way or another, you know, either actors who love the stage or singers, songwriters, just performers. And it is such a big piece of my background. I mean, I can trace my acting and performing, singing and dancing, you know, all the way through my all the way through uh, my grade school years from being a very little girl and putting on performances in the family, which I know so many young kids can um, do. And so, so many of you can relate to, but it was a theme. Like I remember being like 10 years old and wanting to put a production of Grease, the musical Grease on in my backyard. And I went and lobbied like seniors in high school to play Sandy and Danny. And, and, um, we, we had rehearsals and I was the producer and the director and I played Rizzo and, you know, we had tickets and we charged at the door, the backyard fence gate. (laughs) And, uh, we had a full house and, you know, costumes and music on the record player coming out of the kitchen window and hooked up to speakers set up like on, you know, the picnic table, hilarious served orange juice and popcorn and, and really just wanted to make an impact with performing. It was just one of my very favorite things from the time that I was a little girl. And I love that passion in me. And so I still try to harness that as much as I can. And, uh, so anyway, um, and, uh, so a lot of us were performers at Cafe Bellissimo. And then, and then from there, I actually found a spiritual, uh, my spiritual home for almost two decades called the Agape Spiritual Center. And then it's when I was like, oh, these are the kinds of courses that I want to study. And I want to, I want to study transformational, uh, studies. And I want to learn about the major organized religions around the world. And I, I want to dig deeper into being a practitioner of this work. And so I enrolled in a practitioner, uh, program. And and then I went on to, uh, this went on for years, you guys. I mean, I think five or six years, I was in some really amazing programs, always a student, um, tons of homework, a real curriculum where I was on a trajectory. At that point, I thought I also wanted to be a reverend of transdenominational faith and, and principles and really kind of new thought or religious science, if you will. And, um, that was a big, important piece of my life for, for most of my twenties. And so then I would lead groups in my home, in the living room, and I'd have grown, you know, I was a grown adult too, but I mean, I would have like real women who of course are like my age that I am now, but at that time they just seemed so like, wow, she's a woman. She's got a husband and kids and, and a house and a job and a nice car. Um, and uh, they would come from San Diego and and as far as like Santa Barbara to come and gather in my living room where we would do these epic. And nowadays it would look like maybe a, a mastermind and there's all kinds of like work groups, but we were really just, I was facilitating personal growth way back then. And even when I look at the performing, that still was, it was like, I always wanted to create community and I always wanted to give back and I always wanted to lead and, and, um, and then I always wanted to grow. I, you know, I was completely immersed in personal development growing up. That's what my parents raised us on. You know, a lot of families in their living room or in their, their dens, uh, do people say, still say the word den. It's such a seventies word. Um, such a Brady bunch word bookshelves full of books. Well, my mother had shelves that were, you know, wall to wall full of personal development programs on cassette tapes. And for those of you who are listening, 
a cassette tape is way back. <laughs> um, it's, it's ancient and, but they were categorized and they were alphabetized and, you know, it was such an incredible library to go to and just pop one of those cassette tapes by some of my very favorite mentors way back then. And Tony Robbins, by the way, was, was definitely one even way back when, when I was like 15, 16 years old. And so Tony Robbins, and then, you know, another motivational speaker he was known as is, um, Michael Wickett. And I mean, my Gosh, Michael Wicket taught me how to have a mantra that I still use to this day in my shower. And he would get on stage, and of course, I'm listening to it via cassette tape. But he'd get on to into a conversation and and say the fastest way to turn your mindset around is to tell your mind what to do. And so he would say, when I'm in the shower, regardless of how I'm feeling, I just either amp it up or I I turn it around. It's like I feel good, I feel great, I feel good, I feel great. I feel. It's like, I would, that was my mantra, you know, talk about affirmations. And I still do that. You guys, I just thought about that. I didn't even remember that until this moment when I get in the shower, it's a trigger. It's an anchor. I love this stuff. And, um, and I was also turned on to a, a woman named Terry Cole Whitaker, who also happened to be um, a reverend of a wonderful church down in San Diego. She was just really popular and she had a TV show. Think Joel Osteen of today's time, but on a smaller scale, but way back then in the, in the late seventies, um, and then into the eighties, Terry Cole Whitaker made a big impact. Wayne Dyer, um, Marianne Williamson, Maya Angelou, uh, Stephen Covey, obviously. So, you know, I have always been interested in community and personal development and wanting to give back and all this stuff. And so anyway, circling back to all of us being thespians and then me matriculating onto, you know, really, um, diving deep into the curriculum over at Agape and, um, and then putting myself into a role of volunteer work for my goodness, just about as long as I was attending courses there and really never missing services. I mean, for years and years and years, you guys, like 17, 18 years, virtually every Sunday and Wednesday night, I was at Agape and bringing friends and bringing family and, and also giving back leading ministries and, and helping to raise funds and awareness and, and taking trips around the world, um, with some of these people. And I mean, some of that chapter of my life made such a massive impact in my spiritual and personal growth. And some of those people I'm still connected with. And I still think of Reverend Michael Beckwith, who was the founder of Agape as such a dear mentor in my life. And, uh, and then what happened is, you know, Oh, I get it. I wanted to make money. So I had been, you know, being a waitress and trying odds and end jobs and really trying to pursue acting. And I was fortunate enough to get, you know, some commercials and a couple small films and, um, and a soap opera role that was a, cur- a recurring role for a while. And, but I, at this point I was like turning into like 28 years old and I, I had then at that point I knew I wasn't going to be a reverend. Um, I, but I, I want, and then I wanted to make money is what it was. And, and the real estate market had just begun to kind of take off in the next wave. It's very cyclical. And I had a boyfriend at the time who was going to buy a house. And then I saw in his escrow paperwork, what the realtor was going to earn from basically showing him at that point, it was like, it just happened to be one of those lucky deals where she showed him a couple properties. And after that, he decided he was going to buy the one and sell the other. And she was getting the commission on both. And I saw those numbers and I was like, that's more than I make in a year. You're kidding me. So I got into real estate, not going to lie. It was very financially driven in the beginning. And, uh, it quickly turned into a very robust 
very successful career for over 10 years where I was then able to buy property and represent clients. And what I realized after a few years in is that I, it wasn't necessarily as much about the money as it really was about the relationships and really getting to help people navigate such a, you know, a big purchase for some of them, it would be the biggest purchase that they made in their lives. Now, listen, I'm in Los Angeles now. So I stayed in LA. I'm now in Santa Monica and I've been here since the year 2000 with the exception of three years when I was at HS in in Florida, which I'll talk about in a sec. Um, but you know, in LA, oftentimes a person's property is not the biggest purchase just because it's ridiculous guys. I mean, you know, just the wealth and the affluency that can run rampant here and really help you to lose perspective. It's not how it is at all times, but so it was a little bit of a different dynamic, you know, representing home buyers and sellers from Beverly Hills to Malibu. I realized those are hot words, but that was my reality. And so they didn't necessarily care about the home part as much as they cared about the investment, the location, all the things that are important for resale and, and just for, you know, watching their money make sense. But I appreciated that education and I appreciated adding value. And I, I loved learning and growing. And then ultimately I was led to be able to assist my first couple of years in the industry was able to assist a very top producer. Her name was Melissa Alt. She's still a highly respected, integrity filled client centric realtor here in Los Angeles. She became my mentor and then we became partners and then we ended up building a team and we were together for almost 10 years. So almost the entire time that I was in real estate and she was a gift beyond words. She was absolutely, um, a friend, a mentor, and still is to this day, even though I haven't been selling real estate since the end of 2010, my goodness, that's like eight years. Um, we still get together four, five, six times a year, every single year. We're very close. There's a small tight knit group of us that have been doing that since the day that I started working for her on Montana Avenue in Santa Monica in a very small office space that was just so wonderful. Again, very community driven, very, very connected. And, uh, and she's just a badass. So yes, kudos to Miss Melissa. i still love her. If you're looking for a great realtor in Los Angeles, she's the best. And, um, Anyway, as my, as the financial crisis happened in 2008 and I had gone back to UCLA and studied broadcast journalism through a certificate, um, degree, I then really wanted to optimize, uh, the potential for manifesting my dream. And my dream at that point had become, I didn't want to act. I didn't want to be someone else. I had learned to like myself enough to when I wasn't hating myself and we'll definitely go there throughout episodes, but I liked myself enough and felt, um, like I had the goods to become like a TV host. And I remember telling Melissa Alt, um, at this point now it's 11 and a half years ago, but 10 years ago, it was like 2007. It was at the peak of the marketplace. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm, but I'm working 80 hours a week and you know, I'm exhausted and I'm always too busy and I don't have time for anyone. And yes, I was making great money and, and, and being able to travel to so many wonderful places in the world on my dime, which was incredible. I wasn't feeling fulfilled and I knew I had this other dream. And so I remember telling her in 2007, I can't keep doing this forever. And I really, really dream of working on extra the entertainment primetime show called extra. I didn't even watch extra, but for some reason I just said that word and she was like, I fully support you. And if there's anything I can do to help you make that happen. And she didn't have contacts. It, it wasn't about like literally introduce me to anyone or help me get an agent. It was, I want you to have what you want. She's just an incredible woman. 
And, and she was married to an artist. So she got it. Like I remember going back, like deep down, there was, there was a very creative artistic performer in me since the time that I was born. Um, just sometimes I, I've quelled that and forgotten who I really am. And now I've learned to unleash that creativity, but in ways that really make my heart sing and really ignite my soul, which is all the work that I'm doing now. So it's taken a minute to get here, but I'm so grateful that I've been able to, as I mentioned earlier, curate a lifestyle that makes so much sense. And it's really all about the mindset along the way and really honoring the intuition, but giving my mind access to be able to align with my heart, to even be able to hear the intuition, call it gut call it God. It's intuition. It's always speaking to us, but we've got to be able to give it access. So at the end of the day, um, that's, you know, what I've been able to listen to from time to time. Again, when I would get clear and allow it. Um, so that was a very interesting declaration to make to Melissa back in 2007. And when the financial crisis hit the world in 2008, I looked at my finances in 2009 and I think I had earned a total of $17,000, which was less than I had made, you know, I basically made that when I was like a bus girl in high school working at uh, the family restaurant that my dad managed. And I, um, I thought, okay, this is it. I did the UCLA thing. I've got a great agents, um, agent. I had been pursued by several networks like HGTV and Bravo that were very real estate centric. And if you guys recall, like back then in like 2006, 2000 to 2008, real estate shows were the hottest things on the market or on air because of, of, of just the state of the economy and the state of the real estate boom. And we were very much a part of that. And so I was pursued pretty heavily by, by a show actually that, you know, now and it's a hit show called the millionaire listing. And I had already done a real estate, or I had already done a reality show, by the way, some of you may know I was on the apprentice that's a whole nother Oprah. That's a whole nother episode for another time. Um, I quit that show. What you see is what you get currently. And back then, this is not a take on politics, but it wasn't right for me. And I went in very naive and then I got it very clearly once I was in it. And I was like, I have got to resign from this process. And, um, anyway, I was ultimately able to quit, but a lot of things happened along the way. And maybe I'll share about that. Um, if anyone ever wants me to share about that, write me, or give the feedback and I'm happy to, but I just feel like it's kind of boring. Yawn. Who cares? It was so long ago. But anyway, that was also, I went on that show because while I wanted to be a host, I didn't know if, if that would really ever happen because I had a lot of angst and a lot of story around age. And I thought, well, I can't make that happen. I'm like already 30, three or 34 years old, whatever it was, it's just a baby. That was more than 10 years ago. And I can't believe I used to think like that, but whatever we get caught up in stories sometimes and limiting patterns and beliefs that hold us back from what we really want. And so that was one of the times that I was held back anyway. So I thought, well, if I can't really get the hosting thing, cause I was testing for everything. I was, I was testing over at HGTV, but I didn't really want to do a real estate show. And even though I had done a bunch of episodes for a show called property virgins, because their current host, they were in contract conversations and they weren't sure if she was going to stay on. So they were looking for a backup and then I was on hold. And, and then I had done a test with, um, a TV personality by the name of Jeff Lewis. He's got a hit show on Bravo called flipping out. So 
so um, the execs at Bravo, we just we just had a really nice synergy and rapport, and they tested me with Jeff Lewis, and they had me on hold for a show called America's Best Home, Homes, plural, and then that didn't come to fruition. Then I tested over at E, and for some new morning show that they were launching that I think came up and then went down really fast, I didn't get that. So it was a lot of like get close, get close, get close, tons of screen tests that went on for like a year and a half. And I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm getting older. I'm getting so old. Oh boy. That is a mindset shift. There is no such thing as age guys. There isn't, it is just never too late ever, especially in today's world with the internet. It is such an an opportunity to add leverage to any of our goals, dreams and activating our full potential. So big, it's so real. Anyway, I wouldn't take back the last 10 years because it's been an epic journey to get me here and I wouldn't trade any of it, but doesn't mean I don't have regrets where I made some interesting decisions along the way. Um, so I thought, well, if I can't get the hosting thing, then maybe if I get on the apprentice and I win the damn thing or get at least to the final four, it's like a national platform for a really great headhunter or executive recruiter to be able to find me. And then maybe I'll just find some other new career that could be completely fulfilling because it had happened for former um, contestants or candidates, whatever we would call the people who were on, on the apprentice and years prior, I had seen it make such um, measured differences in the lives of certain business people. And I thought, okay, well, it can happen for me because I did have a legit career in real estate, no doubt about it, but it just, it was no longer fulfilling. And at that point we also didn't know, like, is, is this crash going to, you know, take its toll forever? Remember it felt like Armageddon. I mean, it was really a scary time for a very long time. And, and then looking at the financial situation personally for me and realizing I was draining every little bit of my nest egg to just survive for a couple of years to get me through it. Um, it was, it just seemed like a, it seemed like a decent idea <laughs> to go onto the apprentice and everyone thinks they can get far on that thing, or I don't think you'd go on. That's a whole, again, a whole nother topic. Nevertheless, uh, I did not, uh, get any headhunters reaching out from me quitting the apprentice in the boardroom. And I did not become the host of some entertainment show, but it was at this point, it's like basically 2010. So I had mentioned it was about a year and a half of all this stuff. And I thought, you know, this is still a gift. And I really do have a fundamental belief. This is a big mindset tool for me. It's, there's a quote by one of my favorite mentors, Tony Robbins. And he says that life is always happening for us, not to us. And I really value that. And even though back then in the moments that felt critical are really, really hard, I didn't always remember it. Now that I've got a whole nother like decade plus in my life, even if it's hard in this moment, I, I now know that's true because I have enough track record to prove it, that it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I know that this is happening for me, not to me, and that life is always working out for my, my best and highest good. So that's just kind of awesome to be there now. And just to know it, even when it's like, wait a second, this was a left turn. This is a blind spot. This is, I did not expect it, nor did I want this. And I'm brokenhearted or I'm devastated, or I feel so rejected, or I'm just, you know, replaying all kinds of stories of unworthiness or I'll never be loved. Um, when something really devastating happens, but I still know no matter what, 
that it doesn't really serve me to dwell on the pain and suffering or to indulge in it, which is what I used to do and call everybody up and talk about it. Um, but now it's like, wait, uh -uh. catch it, pivot and course correct. And what I mean by that is if I'm feeling that intense pain that I had just mentioned, or I sabotage something or, or I hurt someone or, you know, any version of where it just doesn't feel like my optimal fulfilling life, then I remember that no matter what, I know that life is happening for me and not to me. There is no mistake in this. So where's the grace? Where's the gift? And that's a big mindset shift. Not going to lie. That's just like so fucking huge. There will be some F-bombs. Not going to lie. Um, yeah, not all of them. Not every single episode is probably going to have a parental advisory disclaimer, but many will. And it's just because it just, it's natural. It's authentic. It comes out sometimes. So hopefully you're cool with it. And, um, anyway, I started just kind of getting smart about it. Like, all right, I want to host and I've had a sales background for over 10 years. So where could I go? And also not suffer financially because I had also become accustomed to a very nice living, you know, well into the six figures and, and comfortable. And for some, that's nothing, but for many, that's a lot. And, and in LA, unfortunately, it's not a ton, but it was certainly enough for me to live a life that I was very, very happy with. I was not complaining. And so I thought, okay, well, what if I could get hired at QVC or HSN? And so I was fortunate enough to get hired at QVC and that's a whole nother chapter. And I would love to share that another time because that was um, one of the most challenging chapters of my life personally and professionally moving 3000 miles away from home and, you know, having to redefine my identity by my community. I had no church there. I had no spinning classes at my gym. I had, I didn't have a community. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family. And I did not realize the impact of how good that was the weather in Santa Monica, which is where I had been living, uh, for, uh, almost 11 years or 10 years. 11 years. And I didn't realize the toll that would take on me and how hard that would be. But I also set a very deliberate intention. I was like, listen, go to HSN. And I had the help of an agent that I had at the time, give me some really great advice, which was pretend it's a, you know, a graduate degree and you're going to go kick ass and let live TV, let this experience be like boot camp. You're going to be so primed and ready to go that you'll be comfortable auditioning and, and testing when you get back that you won't be the girl who didn't get it and the other girl got it. You'll be the person who gets it because now you're truly, you know, experienced and you've got all this live TV in your background, which people would pay to have much less get paid very well to do. And with this incredible benefits package and all that other stuff. So I was fortunate enough to get hired at HSN. And, um, again, I will share about that chapter another time because it taught me a lot about myself for better and for worse. But, um, after then, after I knew, you know, two, three years in, I went, I, I, I underwent some traumatic health issues which I will also share about another time. Uh, let's just say I had two very radical surgeries in that short period of time that altered the course of my life in the most finite way that was beyond devastating to me at the time. And I did everything I could to prevent some things from happening. But again, life was happening for me, not to me. Now I can look back on it and understand the gifts. Um, but at that point, it was really devastating. So there were a lot of factors that just led to 
take what you've learned at HSN. It's time to come home. You said it about a three-year time frame anyway. You've learned how with this you know, insight and analysis of being on air for over 3,000 hours, five days a week, two to four hours a night with all these incredible entrepreneurs and brands and Fortune 500 companies, you know, everything from tech to beauty to accessories, fashion, you name it. And why don't you you know, start a consulting business since you have a one-year non-compete anyway, and you can't be on air in the States, go be on air. It just all seems so simple in my mind. I was scary, no doubt about it, but I made it possible in my mind. And I mean, I was advised along the way and I had some incredible inspiration. And in fact, um, one of my very biggest mentors in that time, she's going to be a guest on this podcast very soon. So I'm very excited to have Sinead Naranius Rainier on. So you'll hear more about her very soon, but she was in her and her husband, Chris, were an epic, epic example of what's possible for me and really feeding me um, the confidence that I needed to believe that I could move home and thrive and not have to go back to real estate. Cause that was my biggest fear. It was like, okay, well, I did it for three years, but was it real? Was it sustainable? Could I trust in that? No one had ever done that. No one had ever left HSN or QVC ever and gone on to be on air and, you know, outside of a shopping network or continue to truly thrive in the space of TV shopping. But I knew that I could, and I started consulting for a wonderful, um, skincare beauty brand called Trish McAvoy. You may be familiar with her. She's it's just a huge brand. And she would, she was on air at HSN and she asked me to consult for her. And, and then she offered me a job, but I didn't want to move to New York. And anyway, um, but that really validated at the exact same time, I can do this. I can help so many brands. I can go home. I'll find work internationally on other shopping networks. And so things just kind of worked out. You know, there's something about when you set intention and you get super clear in your mind and you have that vision, you got to get out of your own way which is the fear and the sabotage and the old stories and limiting beliefs and just move forward. And it takes in some instances, a lot of bravery and a lot of courage, but also just a lot of faith and belief that if you've got the vision, then it must be able to be divinely supported. That's just huge because a lot of you may be you know, grappling with an idea or a dream or a goal or an, I, you know, something that you'd like to launch or really grow or pursue. And some of these little things can be holding us back, like I just mentioned. And so I highly encourage you to really check that and fucking go for it because I know when it's right, it's supported. It's like flowing downstream without the oars. It's just like this really beautiful divine orchestration that the universe just steps in and fully supports it. And again, call that God, whatever you want to call it, because um, I'm very spiritual, not religious. Um, so I will give the term God, a lot of euphemistic terms, just so you know, as we, as we move forward. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a beautiful mindset to just trust in that process and to really go for that, which is calling you and allow yourself to be called and have that leap of faith, despite the fears and the anxieties and the old stories and limiting beliefs that might come up. Anyway, um, 
so I, I was able to get work internationally. I mean, it's just amazing. Like people out of the blue, like, was that coincidence or was that grace? It was never coincidence. Like the head beauty buyer at QVC was like, we need a guest for this top beauty brand. And we are looking for you to go on air eventually in the States, but also QVC London and other shopping networks around the world. And so I was lined up there and I got work there and I was able to travel back and forth to London. And it was just this epic experience. And then I was able to help some really incredible brands optimize their presentations on HSN or QVC and launch some really cool new brands, um, or make premieres of existing brands that I was working with on newer shopping networks that I was working with. So let's just say that my first year was pretty epic. So even though I was in a really strict non-compete, most would have allowed that to hold them back from even cutting bait and deciding that they had to move home, you know, to family, friends, and to the land of possibility. Um, and I, I, again, I just decided just to go right past that and, and make it happen. So that year flew by of a lot of, um, abundance, a lot of opportunities, a lot of grace, a lot of fulfillment, just, it was awesome. And then, um, and then I started to get TV deal work and that's, that's a whole nother topic. And I'll talk, I'll talk about that, that another time, but let's just say since 2013, I, I had, uh, no 2014 cause 2013 was my non-compete year. So from 2014 to current time, Time, I have been on air virtually um, consistently. And then it led to a, a permanent contract. Well, nothing's permanent, but a contract with Extra. And I've been on that show. Extra. You guys got that? Oh my gosh. Wait, I have to circle back. So when I got Extra, I, I had forgotten you guys. I had forgotten that I had told Melissa, my real estate boss and mentor friend, and then partner that I had declared extra back in 2007. And so it was 2017, January, 2017, 10 years later, 10 years older. Remember my old story on age and who was I to think that I could break into TV at 33. Oh my goodness. And so when I told her that I got extra, she just started crying and she said, Oh my God, I remember when we were sitting in our office and you told me that you were going to get on extra. <gasps> I had forgotten. It's like, Oh man, she has a memory of an elephant first of all. But number two, how awesome is it for our friends and closest loved ones to witness our lives? We need each other, man. Like we just need each other. So that was ridiculously cool. And I love my gig on extra, but that's my front facing gig. I, it, it allows me leverage for my behind the scenes career, which is I, I still continue to work with tons of brands that, um, I get introduced to by beauty recruiters because now I've made the rounds and I, I do some speaking events and I'll go into startup accelerators and I'll work with, um, startup companies that are product based and I will help them distill their pitch or streamline their presentation for whatever they're trying to do. If they've got an e-com site and they're trying to attract, um, customers to transact or Amazon lives, um, we move a ton of product with certain companies that I work with, um, there, or, um, of course, you know, all the shopping networks, QVC, HSN, Evine, the shopping channel in Toronto, um, QVC UK and some others. And, um, and then I work with spokespeople and that is just as fulfilling as the on-air work. I love it. And then I stepped more fully 
into a holistic lifestyle strategist role. Um, right after December of 2017, I went to this epic, utterly life-changing event um, called Date with Destiny that I will share about in a whole other episode because it deserves its own. And it was in that six-day, fully immersive, deep deep program that I knew that I had to go beyond just talking about personal development and my favorite books and podcasts and documentaries and, and mentors and the mindset tools and tips and techniques that I had applied to my life and really seen it make such incredible, uh, measured differences in my life. Um, I, it was, I had to now go beyond just sharing that with my closest friends and loved ones. I needed to then just share it with the world. I, it was just, it was a defining moment where I could never look back. And there was a part of my, my ego that didn't want to do that because I certainly had thoughts of what would others think. And then I had thoughts of like, who do you think you are? Like, you think you can just get out there and talk about stuff and people are going to listen? Like, who are you? And then I realized like, well, wait a second. I've had like four decades of this. I love it. It's who I truly am. I practice what I preach. This is my life again, for better and for worse. There's plenty of hardship, plenty of sabotage, plenty of ways in which I've completely fucked it up for myself. But then I had these mindset tips and tools to bring me back to center and to reset my soul. And when, you know, as time has evolved, I, my resiliency factor has gotten much, much, much shorter. What used to be a week of indulging in the story and, oh my God, I'm so not worthy. And if I'm not worthy, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm not enough. And if I'm not enough, I'm going to never be loved. And that whole sort of human epidemic that's complete BS. I think you guys can relate um, because it affects everybody at times if we're really, really radically honest. And so, yeah, I had those thoughts, but I realized that, wait a second, just like leaving HSN or moving to LA or taking on any new role, um, moving to Florida. I mean, it's just, there's so much, there's so much in this anyway. Um, so I decided to go for it and I was like, okay, well, what would that look like? How could I try to make an impact? And even if it's just my mom and my sister and one person that I don't know who listens, um, where could I do that? What would be the best platform? And so I realized that a podcast made sense. And so I've been working on this since basically February and I'm super excited that it's finally here and that we're launching. I'm going to bring on incredible guests and then it also morphed into an incredible coaching business. Um, this is what I do like in the evenings, I've got group masterminds and they're just, I mean, I've got three that I'm running right now, but then I realized, my goodness, I've been running masterminds forever. And I, you know, when I wanted to be a published author, I collected a group of people and it was like, let's call it author power. That was a mastermind that was way back in like 2001, 2002. And for a year and a half, we met every Wednesday morning. I led it, I facilitated it. And at the end of the day, four out of five of us became published authors. One went on to become a New York Times bestselling author. One ended up getting the attention of, of, a, of a, an, a critically acclaimed um, writer by the name of, a name of Neil Donald Walsh. You guys probably knew his books, Conversations with Gods, many volumes. He wanted one of my friends who was in this mastermind to, based on his book that was out there, hey, I think you'd be the right person to write the screenplay for Conversations with God. So then that job happened. And then my books were sold in virtually every gold crown Hallmark store across North America. And I was making an impact in so many people's lives based on my topic of gratitude for friendship. And so I thought, yeah, no, I am totally the right person to do this. In fact, why haven't I done this sooner? And just to be really honest, 
My entire life, I've known that the third chapter of my career part of my life would be this work, but I kept putting it off. And I kept saying, well, I'm not quite there yet. And I really want to eke out this, this whole, you know, thing that I'm doing with extra and see if I can grow it. And I'm loving what I'm doing so much that I thought, no, this is the time because I've never been more fulfilled. Knock on wood. I'm so grateful for it. I'd love to just grow it and expand it all. But this is the time because, because I've got a lot to share and the people that I'm bringing on you guys. So going now to the, to the mission of the mindset mashup, this is not only some of the mindset, you know, tips, habits, tools, resources, etc., that I've experienced and learned how to apply to my life to truly activate my full potential or to truly, you know, activate um, going into the direction of dreams, goals, purpose, all that stuff that's so good. But also, of course, my favorite mentors, some of the people that I've mentioned, but it's a compilation of so much of it for four decades, um, including my mother and like Melissa and friends and, and some of my family members and then very, of course, um, well-recognized world-renowned spiritual luminaries and personal development experts and, um, just beautiful souls and then celebrities and fortune 500, you know, CEOs and founders. And I, I'm going to have entrepreneurs on and, you know, small town realtors and stay at home moms. What I wanted was a compilation of people who for the most part, and again, there's no such thing as perfection, but for the most part, people who are really working toward and experiencing more fulfillment than you know, some of the average, you know, it's unfortunately we're living in a time where people are anesthetizing and numbing out with all kinds of different, you know, coping mechanisms like prescription pills and too much alcohol and cigarettes and drugs and all these other escapisms that you guys know what I'm talking about. And it's all because there's a true lack of fulfillment. Um, and I just thought, gosh, that is that is the epidemic in humanity. That's what's causing so much pain and suffering. And if I could just help one person make a key shift with some practical tools and insight and something that helped this guest or helped me, or that one of my mentors shared in a cassette tape 25 years ago, like Michael Wickett, right? The shower affirmation. I feel good. I feel great. I feel good. I feel great. I feel good. I feel great. Just beginning to say it, moving my body and ramping up the, the, the inflection in my voice, it makes me feel better. So that stuff works, but I've now anchored that, you know what I mean? So this is baby steps. It's progress. It's like just the tiniest, teeniest nuances of shifts can really be a mindset revolution. So that's what this podcast is dedicated to. Those are the types of conversations that I'm going to have on. And we're going to really hit um, main pillars in life that I talked about, you know, in the intro of this podcast, which is radical self-love. And what I mean by radical is not just when things are great and everything's going our way and we're looking and feeling the way we want. And it just seems to be, you know, everything just seems to be great. I mean, the hard times when we say or do something that we regret or when we didn't treat our body or our mind kindly, those types of moments, radical self-love, no matter what. And if you can't get there naturally, giving you the tools and the resources to help you get there quicker than you would have with time elapsing and indulging and dwelling in those conversations that would just hold you back. 
Emotional mastery is another big pillar. So we will spend a lot of time talking about how to reset our minds and align with our heart through um, emotional mastery. And there's so many wonderful tools and resources to do that. It's remarkably easy, but it just takes practice. And you know, instead of trying to run 20 miles, you start with some jumping jacks or walking around the block instead of trying to meditate 20 minutes every single day. That's overwhelming and can be intimidating and quite frankly, impossible for a lot of us. So you start with one minute. There's all kinds of resources where you can just go one minute in the morning or one minute in the night. I'm going to do it. And then next week I'm going to do two minutes. So it's the same thing. Baby steps, progress equals happiness. That's, that's really what I mean, it's just, it's so key. And, uh, and then tribe tribe is just, it's profound. Jim Rohn, one of my favorite mentors as well. He, he has a wonderful quote that he said that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So tribe is big, really looking at that tribe and understanding where we are in that circle. Are we at the top? And everyone's under us. And so they're always looking up to us. Ooh, that's slippery. I've been there before. Are we right in the middle where it's this wonderful blend of, you know, people that you're really helping and inspiring and, um, just, you know, not to say that it's better or worse or that's, you know, someone is superior or inferior. I mean, the impact they're making, the fulfillment that they have on a more consistent basis, um, big thinking, staying positive out of the complaining, the criticizing, and, you know, just dwelling in it. There's a time for venting, no doubt about it, but I think you guys know the difference of indulging or not. So the tribe is really big and, um, really looking at that. And then of course, um, impact. I mean, there's, there's a wonderful quote also by my mentor, Tony Robbins, where he says that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Oh, that one hits a lot of people hard. And it's just so true. I mean, you can look at even the news recently, you know, the ultimate success seems to have it all made such a, you know, such an impact on the world, but not fulfilled battling demons. And so afraid of what others would think that if they asked for help or, um, declared it. So I have just such mad respect for people who do come out and say, listen, this is what I've been battling. This is what I'm working on because in one way or another, we're all touched by it to some degree of where we're just, you know, battling the dark stuff. And so being able to make an impact means, can we also make a difference or, you know, give back whether, whether it be through volunteer work, through your career, being the mom CEO, which is such a badass role, but really making an impact that is also fulfilling and not just about what it looks like on social media get me. And then finally success. And I, I just love this term success because it's not about, you know, dollars in the bank account or passport stamps or a house in a particular zip code. It's, I love this definition and I heard it once and I was like, yes, that's it. So success for me has turned into, I do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want and with whom I want. Now, not every single day in every given moment, but I got to tell you in the last year and a half, that is my life. So yes, I can say in this moment, I'm feeling quite successful. Do I want more? Yes. Do I want to make a bigger impact? Yes. Do I want to serve, grow and contribute to a 10 X degree? Absolutely. And that's why I'm here. And it is absolutely why I'm so grateful that you're tuned in. So 45 minutes later, I was really hoping this would be around 45 minutes. That's kind of awesome since it's my first one and I'm sure I'm going to get better and better. And so please don't judge. This is not easy. I hope all this made sense and that I sounded okay. And I didn't smack my lips or do something really weird. Um, I know I say I'm a lot, forgive me for the F word, but just so you know, I promise you, you will hear it a lot and we're going to have a lot of fun too. I, you know, there'll be a lot of levity and a lot of laughter. I'm going to bring in guys 
guys and girls and and it's just going to be an incredible journey. I'm really excited about it and I'm so thankful that you're here and I hope that you continue to tune in and share it with your friends and I hope it makes an impact on your life. That's the whole mission to help you find a little bit more fulfillment and to help you give those tools and resources so you can apply this stuff to your life. And again, baby steps, guys, baby steps. <laughs> um, so that's it. You know, at the end of each episode, I'm going to be asking each guest. I mean, this is what I think right now. It could change over time, but I do believe that since the purpose is just to help people get more aligned with some sense of fulfillment, just at least a little bit better. Um, I will be asking at the end of each interview, how do you define fulfillment? And, and for me, it really is that definition of success that I just gave. It's like doing what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want and with whom I want, but making a measured, meaningful difference in the lives of others. And the way that gets measured for me is hearing your feedback, your comments, your reviews, all that. So please head on over to iTunes and please, you know, write a review if, if you like this at all. If you've got any questions, comments, or feedback, of course, you can hit me up at the mindset mashup.com. That's also my, my personal website. So it's all in one space. And I mentioned that in the outro anyway, but I'm new here. So I might repeat things sometimes. And I know you're with me and you're cool about it because we're human and we're all just doing our best to evolve and try things out. I'm in full on beginner's mind and I love it because it's scary and it's exciting and I'm all in. So thank you for listening. And as always, I do wish you nothing short of fulfillment, even if it's for a teeny tiny moment. Put a smile on your face and I hope to meet you here again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And if you want to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that directly at themindsetmashup.com. Thank you again. And I look forward to hearing from you.